0: Thank you, praise team. We appreciate uh, that this morning, don't we? Oh my goodness, I mean, that was, I love that second song. What was that second song? I just don't know the title of it. How Deep the Father's Love? I need that to wake me up in the mornings. I don't know if we really get all that. I'm just, I mean, that's just, just a spur of the moment thought, I don't think we really get that. Um, I don't know that our minds are able to comprehend how deep the Father's love is for us. I get a little taste of it when I wake up in the morning and I look at how wretched I am. Um, well, if you're visiting with us at Grace, we're thrilled you're here. Um... I'm going through the book of 2 Peter, but not today. Um the next phrase that we'll deal with in 2 Peter is one that um demands a couple of consecutive weeks. And I don't want don't want us to lose our train of thought and and so as the Lord always does this week I'm like uneasy for like 4 or 5 days and I was studying and studying and, and I couldn't peg the uneasiness and um It had to do with the fact I was trying to do too much in one week. And so instead of trying to do too much, and us not getting a good grasp of what Peter's trying to do with that audience, um, there was a sermon I'd been working on in relationship to Missions Conference. And I thought, well, Lord, maybe you want me to do that on the front side of Missions Conference. And I had a real piece about it. So that's what we're doing this morning. Um, I want to begin with... um, Maybe just like a a thought or a question for you. Um, Do you remember when you were saved? Okay, so Jessica, a few minutes ago, asked us to reflect and and such. I thought it was really good Um, because our minds could be all over the place, right? When you come here on a Sunday morning, maybe you're thinking about what what you're going to eat after church or whatever and who you're going to hang out with this afternoon. But I thought it would be good in light of what we're going to look at this morning in terms of study, to think about, you know, do you remember when you were saved? That's a pretty important question. <laughs> if you can't remember, then, then there's a problem. Um, and the problem is probably that you're not saved. And you need Christ. And um, I want you to think about that as we go through the message this morning. Um, let me ask you a question are you on board with the vision of grace? Do you even know what the vision of grace is? <laughs> and I say Grace Community church us what's the vision of Grace Community Church do you know it? it's do you know it class? All right we're gonna say it together since we're not sure. <laughs> Knowing Christ Hey the kids know it. Knowing Christ, And making Christ known. What scares you the most? What terrifies you the most? Which of the following? Boarding a plane? Boarding a train? Or boarding a cruise ship? That last one might seem funny to you, but there are a lot of people that don't like water. Right? We went on a cruise last year, two years ago, I can't remember. And, um, uh that open sea stuff, uh, I'm not wild about it. But my wife really wasn't wild about it. Uh, it bothered her. Now, if I was putting these in order for me, there is no brainer. I don't like planes. I'm glad we have them. It's great. You can get places pretty quick. But my tendency is to want to walk into the plane and interview the pilot. You know, how long you've been flying? Are you, are you, have you been to the doctor lately? You know, it's kind of one of those things. Uh, trains, I don't have a whole lot of uh, experience getting on a train, but no doubt for me, it's the plane. Now if I add something else to that for you, what terrifies you the most? Boarding a plane, boarding a train, boarding a cruise ship, or sharing the gospel? Right? So maybe for some, it might be sharing the gospel. Um, it might be sharing the gospel because you're not quite sure what the gospel is. Maybe you've never shared the gospel. Maybe you've never had the opportunity to do that. Maybe you're kind of scared or fearful to walk through those doors. i don't I don't have any idea where you are, but I thought it'd be good to think about this morning, and we're going to get to that. But I want to address just briefly this um, issue of knowing Christ um, because I believe they're linked together. I believe that as you deepen your understanding of who Christ is and deepen your understanding of salvation and what you have, It's almost like you can't help but share. You might not have the gift of evangelism, but you want to pass that on, right? That good news. Hey, I'm saved. Um, So I've got two questions for you. Has fellowship with the Lord continued to grow closer and deeper for you as a believer? If you say, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, I'm born again. I know him. You know, has that relationship with him continued to grow closer and deeper? Um by the way, that's the book of First John. The book of First John is intimacy with the Lord. It's about intimacy. Right? So so what does that look like? You know, when you start out um uh, as a young person and you're looking for that that spouse, right? That person you're going to live with for the rest of your life, because that's the commitment for the believer, right? And so as you get to know that person, you grow closer and closer to them to the point where the guy says, hey, I want to marry you, right? Our son, our middle son's doing that this year. He's getting married in November. And and he he popped that question. In fact, I told him, I said, look, you let Anna get away. I'm all, There's going to be a problem between me and you. I mean, she's that good. She loves the Lord. Um, she wants to serve him. And so as a father, you're like, Yeah. Right, um, but as a relationship progresses, eventually there's marriage and there's this intimacy. And but it doesn't stop with that day when that person gets married. Right, when those two get married, you continue to grow and deepen, hopefully, in your relationship together. And so that's kind of a thought I think we should have as believers here at Grace. That knowing Christ, we gotta we gotta pose that question. Uh, every once in a while, just for us to think about. Secondly, um, what are people reading when they examine our lives? What are they reading about us? You know, are they reading that we're different from the world or we're just kind of, you know, right next to the world in our thinking? Um, so what are people reading? I mean, you go to work, you go to school, right? You're exposed to culture every single day. You're exposed to a different group of people. Um, so what are they seeing in our lives as believers in Christ? Right? Now we want to get to the uh, the uh, big part of our morning. And we want to move on to making Christ known. And there are three issues here I want to discuss in terms of making Christ known. First of all, we all have the responsibility to make Christ known. That's every single believer's responsibility to make Christ known. Um. The Lord tells us that in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. He says, as you are going, that's the idea there. Go therefore, as you are going along in life, make disciples. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son. Let's put sons. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And then he says, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I think one of the most comforting parts of that particular verse is that last part. I am with you always. Right? I am with you always. He was always with the disciples. He's always with us if we're in Christ. So you, when you're sharing the gospel, it's not like, well, I've got to come, what do I have to come up with? Um, just take them this book. Turn to 1 Corinthians 15. If you want to know the gospel, it's right there. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Listen to these words in 1 Corinthians 15. This is the gospel. The apostle Paul, we saw earlier in our reading together, he was eager to preach the gospel. He was eager to communicate the gospel. In chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, he says, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preach to you. It's interesting to me that he's giving this to the church, right? He's reminding them of the gospel. He says, which you also received, in which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. And here it is. For I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died For our sins. Notice that pronoun, our. What's Paul saying? Not just your sins, but what? My sins. He died for our sins. According to the scriptures. Verse four, and he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. My friends, listen, that's our hope. Our hope is that Christ is alive. That's why we meet here on Sundays, right? We serve a risen Savior. In a few weeks, we're going to celebrate Easter, but we don't have to wait till April 1st to celebrate Easter. We celebrate the resurrection of Christ every day, right? He's alive. That's why we're here. We believe it so strongly that some have committed themselves to go to the mission field. Right? And they're gone for, for weeks and months and years at a time. And the outside world looks at these people and what are they doing? But in the church, oh my friends, we know what they're doing. They're sharing Christ and we're going to have some of those people here next week. And I'll just say this as a side note. It's not a week to lay out. Can I say that? In love. It's not a week to lay out. We support these missionaries. We want to hear what God's doing around the world because my friends, listen to me, the gospel is moving around the world. You know, I'm going, well, you know, in the United States, we sure could use a surge. You know, we could use a revival. I mean, I'm looking at our culture today and and the culture today says, I don't need anybody. Much less this Jesus Christ. My life's just fine. My bank account's full, right? I've got all the things that I uh, need and I've even got things I want. But all that stuff's burning up. It's going away. One day if the Lord tarries in his coming, uh, we're going to die. A hundred years from now, there's a pretty good bet that all of us are going to be dead if he doesn't come back. Right? It's going to happen. So the question becomes, where are you going? Where are you going? Are you confident you know Christ? Um, Paul said it. He was buried. He was raised the third day according to the scriptures. And there were many. I love this next section. We won't get into it this morning. I love the next section because there were witnesses to the resurrected Christ. Many witnesses to the resurrected Christ. Um, There's some interesting statistics I thought I'd share with you this morning about this responsibility we all have. I found them pretty interesting. And these are the most recent that I could find in terms of sharing the gospel 73 percent of born-again Christians agree they have a personal responsibility to share the gospel wish that was a little bit high like maybe 100 percent. imagine that 100 percent. so but 73 do right 73 percent of born-again Christians agree so I want to hear from the 27 percent why they wouldn't agree that doesn't make sense to me right because because here's here's the thing So if you raise your hand, if I said in this section, are you a born-again Christian? You raise your hand and you say, I am. Well, then I can tell you that the Lord's told all of us that we have the responsibility to share the gospel. And I can go section by section, all of us without excuse. Yeah, but that you just don't know me. Hey, we're going to get to a guy that had an issue with that. All right, we're getting there. 52% say they shared the gospel at least once last year of the born-again Christians. How many of you have quiet times? You have quiet times? So like in your quiet times, do you ever write in your little, you know, some of you do journals, I know. Um, Do you ever like write down a list of names of people that, that aren't saved that you're praying for? You know, as I get older and, and I think about my family, man, it just breaks my heart. Because it's like, well, there's only one of two places you're going to be for eternity. It's not like a host of places. It's one of two. Heaven or hell. Heaven or hell. And as we've been looking at in Second Peter, there's a lot of people going down that road to hell. Don't you just wish at times you, you could save them? <laughs> Some, somehow you could just open up their eyes. My friends, listen to me. We have the responsibility to share, but as Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians three, I planted, Apollos watered. God does cause the growth, but you know what? They need to hear the gospel. And by the way, when you I know it's tough with family. I've got family that's not saved. I know it's tough. Man, what what maybe the prayer this year is Lord give us, give us that ability to share with family when we're in their presence at Easter and Christmas and all these different times? Because there's nothing more important in their life than they know Christ. I thought this next statistic was really interesting. Do you know the generation sharing the gospel the most today? millennials millennials by a pretty hefty percentage about 65 percent of born again millennials now i'm talking about born again millennials i'm not talking about millennials who are committed to a social gospel okay but born again millennials about 65 percent are sharing what they they call their story this is how i came to know jesus christ this is what happened to me um if you break down the, the generations the next two or the next one comes in at 48%. So 65% of millennials are sharing the gospel, 48% of busters are sharing the gospel and 43% of boomers and of course boomers are they're dying out. Okay? So but I looked at that I thought that's pretty interesting. Right? Because there's a beat down of millennials a lot. But, but I am like man lord maybe through these millennials there's going to be a revival. Sure could use one. So we see all have the responsibility to share. Second point I wanted us to see from the scriptures this morning is that some have the gift of evangelism. Some have the gift, right? And the mindset tends to be, well, they have the gift, let them do it. But we just all have the responsibility, so we can't do that. Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 4, and he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists. Who are evangelists? Evangelists are those proclaiming the good news. That's who evangelists are. They have the gift of evangelism. And some as pastors and teachers, notice what the benefit is. right? You can look at all that and go, okay, that's great. But look at the benefit of that for the body. For the equipping of the saints, hey, that's where everybody else comes into play. So then if a person has the gift of evangelism, and I know there's several in here that do, you know what their responsibility is? To teach you, right? To teach you, to come alongside of you and equip you who don't have the gift of evangelism to share the gospel. You say, where is that in the Bible? I'm about to show you. Notice what he says, for the equipping of the saints. And notice that next phrase, for the work. That word is ergon in the Greek. It means toil, sweat, labor, it's hard. Okay, it's hard. Sharing the gospel is difficult because you don't run up against a person who says all the time, hey, I'm ready to hear that. In fact, most of the time we run up against people who are antagonistic toward the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's like Paul wrote, it's foolishness. They don't understand it. They don't have ears to hear. By the way, you can't give them ears to hear. But you can share the gospel. So these that have the gift of evangelism, they do what? They equip the saints for the work of service. Look at this. To the building up of the body of Christ. In other words, it's good for the body. You know, a body becomes stagnant when people in the body are not using their gifts. All right, I'm going to say that again. The church becomes stagnant when people in the body of Christ are not using their gifts. And do you know the percentages are pretty high of people who come through a door and say, I have no idea what my gift is as a believer. Believer. How many, I'm not asking you to raise your hand, but how many of you would fit into that equation going, I don't really know what my gift is. Might I encourage you to pray that the Lord would show you that. What's your passion, right? What is it? What drives you? You It may be service. It may be giving, right? It may be teaching. I mean, there's all types of gifts They need to be exercised, right? They need to be exercised. Listen, when I think of exercise, right? Exercise is what? It's good for us, right? It's good when people exercise their gifts. It's good when we exercise. I played basketball Thursday night. Was it Thursday? For an hour and 45 minutes. It was good for me. The next morning, my legs weren't so good. But it was good for me. I survived. Right? Listen, in terms of exercising our gifts, it's good for the body. It's not just good for you. It's good for the body. And so that's exactly what Paul is saying here. For the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature of which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Hey, guys, listen to me. This, I, I believe the, the analogy that Paul gives in 1 Corinthians chapters 12 through 14 are so beautiful. And I, I wish we could wrap our minds around that, that God has placed each member in the body just as he purposed. You believe that? Do you believe God's placed each member in the body just as He's purposed? That means he has something for you to do. And it's not to sit on the sidelines, right? It's not to be an armchair quarterback and say, well, I think the church needs to do this and this and this. Hey, I got a suggestion. If we'll concentrate on the gifts that God has given us, it will not only benefit us spiritually, we'll grow deeper in our relationship with the Lord. It'll benefit the body, right? It's gonna do that. Too many folks on the sidelines today. I'm not being critical of you guys. I'm not saying you're doing that. But there are too many people in the quote unquote church sitting on the sidelines. Imagine this. If everybody took to heart the issue of sharing the gospel. (laughs) Um, Just so you know, this lesson's more for me than anybody else. And you're gonna know that by the next particular point most if not all need a reminder of the of uh, of sharing the gospel and Timothy was one of those guys turn with me to second timothy this is where we're going to spend the remainder of our time second timothy i want you to see this as paul wrote to his underling his protege who was timothy Remember, he met Timothy, as we have it recorded in Acts 16. And in terms of Timothy's background, do you remember Timothy's background, right? His mother and his grandmother, godly people, right? Godly people. Can I just make this comment? If you live in a godly home, you're blessed. (laughs) You're blessed. Um, As we come to 2 Timothy, I need to point this out. The reason Timothy, uh, Paul is going to encourage Timothy in the area of evangelism is because Timothy, according to chapter 1, was a timid man. So as I'm studying this, I'm like, man, Lord, I don't know if my audience will believe it, but I'm that kind of guy. You know, when it comes to sharing the gospel, I'm, kind of, I'm, I'm that kind of guy. I'm timid. Now, if you want me to stand up and defend the gospel all day long, I'll do that. But in terms of, of sharing, I need, I need work in that area. I don't know about you. But Timothy needed this reminder, and this comes at a crucial time, if you understand the context of 2 Timothy. all right, This is his last letter, the time of departure. His death is imminent. And you know this to be true. When you're passing on something to someone, you want them to be as what? Passionate about it as you are. Right that's when I, I look at businesses and I see fathers passing off businesses to their sons. It's just never the same. It's just never the same, because they're different people, right? Um They're two different personalities. Well, Paul and Timothy were different personalities. I mean, Paul was in your face out front. hey, I'm the apostle Paul, right timothy was was behind the scenes. He was a background guy, although he was a pastor, right. But the Bible tells us here that Paul gives Timothy a reminder, a needed reminder. And the Greek tells us that as as you study this passage. So we come to chapter 4 in the context. Let's look at verse 1. He says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. So there's no substitute. That's your responsibility, Timothy. You preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. That's your responsibility, he tells him. Why? Because, and that's the word for there, because the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, sound teaching, sound instruction, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires, and that's all around us in our culture today. Teachers collected for the purpose of satisfying an audience. Notice what he says. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the what? The truth. The truth. And will turn aside the myths. But here's this strong contrast that's coming. All right? But you, Timothy, but you, Right? You may have many turn aside to miss, but you, say, you. I've always thought about what, what, what's it going to be like if, if this scenario would happen where, where I'm laying in a, a bed and I'm sick and, and, and my kids are in, are in front of me. You know, what are those words? That's what we have here. Paul's dying. He knows his death is imminent. He knows it's coming and he's, Saying to Timothy, but you, and he says, you preach the word. You be ready all the time to do that. But you, he says, number one, be sober in all things. As I was studying this, I was like, I can't just tell them about do the work of an evangelist. I got to tell them all this, right? So he says, be sober in all things. Now, the literal meaning of that word sober is to abstain from drunkenness our culture might could use a little lesson than this abstain from drunkenness the idea of the word means to be alert it means to be spiritually awake hello you awake today are you spiritually awake first of all i might say are you physically awake are you awake today right Are you spiritually awake today? That's the idea. And in light of what he just said, many are gonna turn to myths. That's important. Right? It's important that the shepherd would know his sheep. Right? Be able to see the pulse of that. Tell the pulse of that. And so the idea of the term here is to be on alert spiritually. To be awake. Not be asleep. Uh, If I ask you this question... How would you respond? Is the church awake today? How do you how are you going to respond to that? What'd be your answer? No, No, why not? Why would you say that? um, Lukewarm. They're lukewarm. Everybody familiar with that lukewarm stuff, right? Revelation? Read it when you get home. Right? They're lukewarm. They're like neither hot nor cold. But what does he say about the lukewarm? speed out of the mouth. So, church, awake. We have one response. Anybody else? Huh? Who said that? Right? They're not awake. Why would you say that? Okay. So there's a contrast to the gospel message in there. What's the message today to the culture you tell me? Everybody equal.
1: Everybody believes the same we're
0: all. Alike. We're all like, everybody's equal. I agree we're all alike, we're all sinners. Right God is love. There's no judgment. We're all the same. We need to accept anything and everything that comes across the plate. right? Not what the Bible says. That's not what the Bible says. Preach it. That's not what the Bible says. That's not what the Bible says. We're different, right? As, listen, the Bible tells us in Philippians that our citizenship as believers is where? Yeah. Say that a little louder. Yeah. Are you ready for heaven? Yeah. Oh my goodness. I used to wonder why older people were ready for heaven more. I'm starting to get a picture of that. <laughs> my body's breaking down. And I'm like, woo! And I enjoyed playing basketball the other night. But there was great pain that came with that, right? (laughs) We need to be spiritually awake. Guys, we need to be the ones, listen, that people notice, not in an arrogant way, but in a humble way that say, hey, we know Christ. Let me share something with you that can change your life. All right. So the first thing he tells him is, you, Timothy, be sober in all things. And then he says, endure hardship. Time out. Hold on, what? Endure what? How many of you like that? Endure hardship. That'll preach, right? Endure hardship. Well, the idea of that word hardship is the idea of physical pain. It's the idea of troubles. It's the idea of difficulties. I didn't get to read this passage the other day, but I'm going to read it today. I alluded to it a few weeks ago. I know you all remember that because you all pay attention so well. But just in case it just flew past you, I wanted to read about these difficulties. Listen, Paul's telling this guy, endure hardship. And he could say that with a little bit of experience. Wouldn't you say? Um, he writes in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 11. Are they servants of Christ? i more so in far more labors, in far more imprisonments, beaten times without number. Um, I have never been beaten times without number. Now, I used to get whooped when I was a kid. And sometimes I felt they were without number. My dad just kept whooping me. You know what though? I deserved every whipping I got. How many of you survived the whipping era? Right? Amen. And so that's just a testament to all you younger ones. Whip them, man. You'll be all right. (laughs) Only that is biblical. He says... Beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked a night and a day I've spent in the deep. I've been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea. I'm tired of him using that term danger. How about you? Danger. Dangers among false brethren. We've been talking about that in Second Peter. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights. In hunger and thirst. Often without food. Imagine our culture often without food. Can you imagine? Often without food. And cold and exposure. Apart from such external things, he says. There's the daily pressure. And that, by the way, that word is intense. Daily pressure upon me of concern for all the churches. <laughs> A true shepherd has that. Why? You love the sheep. So he says to Timothy, endure hardship. Well, I didn't know that hardship piece came with Christianity, but it does. It does come with Christianity. It does come With being set apart to the Lord Jesus. So he says be sober in all things. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. We'll come back to that in just a moment. Fulfill your ministry. You say what does that mean? Complete it. Run the race to the end. That's what it means. And you know what's so awesome? Paul gives testimony of that. Look at verses 6 through 8. For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. You know, that's appropriate. It's appropriate. We applaud those guys. We need guys like Paul. I didn't know this Doug Sager, but the testimony of this man as a pastor—he preached the gospel. He went home to be with the Lord. Far better off, right? Far better off. Paul says, "I have fought the good fight, I have finished the course." <sighs> Young people, you're all over the audience, but I, I, I just want to encourage you to stay the course. Man, there's so many ways to get off the course. You're not going to have to go looking for them. They're there. There's distractions. As you go on your journey, young people as believers, there's distractions. Stay on course. I mean, after reading 2 Corinthians, like, man, Paul stayed on course with that? He stayed on course. You know why he stayed on course? I'll tell you why. The Bible tells us Paul wrote it. For to me to live is what? For to me to live is... Notice the personal pronoun me. He didn't say it about anybody else. He said it about himself. For to me to live is Christ. So how do you fill in that blank? Right, that's, a pretty, that's a pretty good challenge for us to think about, right? How do I fill in that blank? For Thad to live is what? Should be Christ. How about you right it's a good question to think through the apostle paul he ran the course well that third little piece of instruction there is do the work and evangelist (laughs) i don't know what i mean you know of all those things there right you're like i mean and timothy was with paul so he understood that whole scene But I'm just thinking, man, I wonder what it was like as he's reading this letter and he gets to that part, do the work of an evangelist. I mean, all these other things, okay. But that, in light of his testimony, as a timid man, right? I want to share with you just briefly, and I'm going to give you a closing illustration, we'll be done. What this phrase means, do the work of an evangelist. Because you need to know the intensity of the words, the word do there is present tense imperative. In other words, he's not saying, hey, Timothy, think about it for a bit. Do you know what it actually means in the original language? Without delay, do it. It's like when you read, you know, my, my dad used to give me chores when I was a, a boy and he'd say, Thad, mow the lawn. And he didn't mean think about it for 30 minutes. He's, he meant right away. And guess what? If I wasn't doing it right away, There was encouragement to do it right away. And all my brothers and sisters who are my age understand what that encouragement was. That's what Paul's telling Timothy here. Do it now. So he needed a reminder. I think we could probably use one, right? Do it now. It's a command to be carried out right away. In other words, do the work of an evangelist right now. Stop what you're doing, do it now. Notice he says, do the work. And I just mentioned that word ergon. It's the same word here. It's hard work. It's not just physically hard, but it's emotionally draining. Right? Sharing the gospel is emotionally draining. If you care, it is. When you're sitting, we'll just paint a scenario here. You're sitting in the midst of a family um, celebration. And you know that the big celebration at Easter is about the resurrected Christ. Isn't that the big celebration? Have you ever been so bold in the midst of maybe some of your family members who weren't saved to say, hey guys, go out there and hunt the eggs, that's your business. But I gotta tell you something about something more important than an egg. And it's Christ. Christ. And he's alive. And I need you to know that. I need you to know that. He died for your sins. Right? I need you to know that. I need you to know that he was buried, but that he was raised the third day according to the Scriptures. I need you to know that. And I need you to know that you, if you want to be in heaven, you're going to have to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. There's no other way. So the word here is hard work. It's emotionally draining. Then he says, lastly, he says, do the work of an evangelist. The word evangelist there means simply a proclaimer, a proclaimer of good news. And the gospel is good news. You know, I think one of the biggest fears that people have in sharing the gospel is that you got to share the bad news first. <laughs> right? And there's bad news. The bad news is that we're all sinners. The good news is that Christ took care of that. He bridged the gap between us and the Father. Got this really awesome story I want to share with you. I don't know how many of you know who Dr. Kent Hughes is, but he's a theologian. He's a pastor. Was a pastor not anymore, but was a pastor for 40 years. He wrote several commentaries, but one of his commentaries is on Colossians and Philemon. And he shares this story, um, about a missionary that had gone to Africa. The missionary told the story of an elderly woman who was reached with the gospel. Though she was blind and could neither uh, read nor write, she wanted to share her, her newfound faith with others. So this missionary, right, who had gone to Africa is telling this story about this woman who was blind, who couldn't read, who couldn't write. That's, There's a lot of disadvantages there, wouldn't you say? Um, But she wanted to share her newfound faith with others. She had come to know Christ, and she wanted to share. And she went to the missionary, and she asked for a a copy of the Bible in French. And when she got it, she asked the missionary to underline John 3.16 in red and mark the page it was on so she could find it. The missionary wanted to see what this lady would do with it. So one day she followed the lady. In the the afternoon just before school let out, she made her way to the front door. And as the boys came out when school was dismissed, she would stop one and ask if he knew how to read French. And when he said yes, she would ask him to read the verse that was marked in red. And then she would ask, do you know what this means? And then she would proceed to tell them about Christ. Do you know as a result of the efforts of this lady, there were 24 of those school boys that she witnessed to that became pastors? <laughs> I read that story, I was like, oh my goodness, Lord. I mean, if I could just have the passion of that lady. Because you see, as you read that story, as you you think through that, while this woman didn't just know Christ, but knowing Christ, right, made her, right? It just propelled her to say, I gotta tell people. And she stood outside those doors of that school and she shared the gospel of Christ even though she couldn't read and she couldn't write. Well, I'm certainly without excuse. I don't know about you. And that message this morning was for Thad Blunt. Thad, you need to do the work of an evangelist. That's what Paul told Timothy. All of us need that reminder. We all have the responsibility to share the gospel of Christ. Please, please make it a priority these next two weeks to be here for our our conference. You know, we've had, and I wanted to close with this, we've had I don't know how many, but we've had several that have, that the Lord um, has led from our midst to go out and to be missionaries. And I wrote on the top of my paper, who's next? Who's next? Will the Lord lead you? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for your word, and I thank you for Timothy, um, there seem to be a lot of similarities there um, in terms of this particular subject for me. I know how you've dealt with me on this and I want to thank you for that. And I just want to pray that you would help me personally to do the work of an evangelist, to share the gospel. I, 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 um, I was thinking, man... When it comes to things I get excited about that don't matter at all, um, when my team wins a game, I can't wait to share. But, um, Lord, I need that kind of attitude personally when it comes to, to dealing with the lost, and I need your spirit to help me. And, um, there may be some in here that needed the same reminder today. Maybe they're, they're just like Timothy. Um, me are concerned. I mean, there are many that are concerned. I know in this room about sharing the gospel. And I pray that you would help us to know, just as you told your disciples, when you said, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Lord, we have your Spirit who is always with us. And I pray that we would know that and that we would depend on Him when we share the good news of Jesus Christ. And so I just pray your Spirit would work in the hearts and lives of your people today. And if there's anyone this morning in here that doesn't have a testimony of knowing Christ, Lord, your spirit would convict them. And uh, I just make my prayer in the name of Christ and for his sake. Amen.
1: You guys can uh, stand with us and um, join with us singing this last song.